As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everyone and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm Joe Lowry and I'm joined by my co-host Jordan Angeli. Jordan, you were there at Matt Free Stadium. You called the game that saw the Columbus crew capture MLS Cup. What a game and what an experience it must have been for you. Oh my gosh, Joe. It was so great. It was honestly the from the play on the field to having fans in the stands, there was so many little things about it that just felt right. And what a year to uh, up and move to Columbus. But man, this team made it all worth it. They were phenomenal. And I think saved some of their best soccer for the last few weeks of season. I was watching some of the social media coverage that was on the crew's Twitter account, and it had little videos from their locker room. And one, the social media guy must have been like underneath some sort of mosh pit of sorts, but it was (laughs) Kayla Porter talking about how they played such a a good game. And they really did. This wasn't a, a Columbus crew sneaking out a victory in MLS Cup. This wasn't them hitting a late winner to win MLS Cup. It was them really thoroughly beating the Seattle Sounders, especially in that first half but overall, the crew win three to nothing against the Sanders in this MLS Cup. That's a really impressive win, regardless of the stage. I just kept feeling like we stomped them. We went out there and just put our foot down as a team, and the crew were like, "This is our home. The fans saved us. We are going to give this gift back to the fans before we leave leave Mafre. Uh, they'll play a couple games there, but this is their last big chance to play a big game at Mafre." And they stomped him, Joe. Absolutely dominated. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't going to be a show that Seattle Sounders fans love to hear. We'll talk about their push in the second half later on, because they did make a push Uh in that second half. But, I mean, it's never fun when your team loses MLS Cup. And so I either don't expect Seattle fans to be listening to this, or if they are, they have a strong constitution. Because we're going to go heavy on the crew in this game, because they deserve it, frankly. It's their second MLS Cup in team history Columbus controlled things. They controlled things from nearly the start. Seattle did threaten in the first half through Jordan Morris on the left wing, 
I counted about four times, three or four times in the first 20, 25 minutes that Morris was in behind Harrison Offal. And there was a reason for that. It's because Columbus was willing to move numbers forward, especially in transition moments. One of the things that I thought was most interesting from this game was actually something that Caleb Porter said after the game. He said, today, this is Saturday, today we went a little more direct. That's what the game called for, I thought. That gave them, Seattle, that gave them a lot of problems. That was the main tweak. We knew we weren't going to have as much of the ball without Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos, so we decided to play in transition. And for me, that gets at a couple important things. Number one, Columbus was missing Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos. They were out because they had tested positive for COVID-19. Another reminder of where we're at right now. But the way that Caleb Porter decided to overcome that was, number one, put Derek Etienne Jr. and Aiden Morris into the lineup, and then also tweaking the tactics ever so slightly to get that team out in transition and counteract Seattle's willingness to always want to be in transition themselves. I thought it was a great tweak from Caleb Porter. It really was, and because that the, because the Columbus crew were set up that way, they were more willing to win the first and second balls in those transition moments. I thought the midfield just really ate those balls up. And Aiden Morris, Artur, Lucas Celerion really won those second balls and then allowed Columbus to continue that transition forward, where on the other end, it really felt to me like Seattle was so separated that between their front line and their midfield line, there was such this big gap that it was hard for them in the first half to pick up the second balls and deny some of that attacking momentum that Columbus kept being able to generate because they were more willing to get a little bit more gritty in the midfield and win the balls. Yeah, and and when Columbus did win the ball back, I think they played more direct vertical balls up the field than they normally would. Normally, I think Columbus would, let's say they win the ball back with Harrison Offal on the right side. Normally, I think they'd either recycle that to Eloy Room or they'd play it into Nagby and, and calm things down and play for a minute. But in this game, they didn't. Harrison Offal, if he won that ball back, would play a direct ball up the right side for Luis Diaz, who terrorized Nuhu in the first half and continued that against Brad Smith in the second half. They would play those more direct vertical balls up the wing, which then had Seattle on their back foot. It happened over and over again in this game. It even happened on the second goal. It wasn't Offal who won the ball, but it was a direct pass from Eloy Room in goal. It was a long ball up the field that Aiden Morris cleaned up, then lost, then won back again. And then the rest of the goal unfolded. The directness totally worked in this game for the crew. I do want to note that when we have talked about Seattle in their last two games in MLS playoffs, I feel like the commonality is we didn't really feel like they started games well. Yeah. And and I think Caleb Porter noticed that and said, all right, if you're not going to start games well and you think that you guys are, which they are, you, you they're very good in transition – they're very good in these moments where they um, maybe don't feel like a team is going to high press them. And I, I feel like I keep going back to this game in at the end of season. Do you remember when Colorado played Seattle at the end of season and they yep. high pressed them at home and it, it they won the game and it shocked Seattle a little bit. I feel like there was similarities in this game where it shocked Seattle and they were trying to pull Columbus out of this really good tight mid block. And as they pulled them out and then tried to play through the lines – the midfielders for Columbus did a really good job of passing players on because at times, Joe, Seattle, when they were trying to attack, had Jovan Jones, Jao Paulo, uh, Christian Roldan, uh, Nico Ladero, and even sometimes Rui Diaz in a very tight area in the center of, of midfield. 
And Aiden Morris and Artur were just making sure they knew where the passing lanes were, shifting their bodies, checking their shoulders. So then when that pass was going to be directed, say, towards Rui Diaz, Artur could step, slide over, pick the ball off, and then go in that transition, which you were just talking about. And I think that because they knew how Seattle had played in the last two games in the first half, they made those adjustments and were willing to press at times, but really sit in the mid block and make it difficult for Seattle. And then when they won the ball, it actually, I think, paid off that they could start Derek Etienne and Luis Diaz because they could use their speed in those transition moments. And I've said all season long on every broadcast, if Luis Diaz gets on the field, the first thing he should do is just dribble at a defender because that's where he's best. That's his strong suit. And he did that time and time again. And that's the thing. Once once he beats you once, then you're like, oh, crap. Like, I can't keep up with this guy. And so he then got in the defender's head. And I think from there it was just – it was such a delight to watch for me. But I'm sure Seattle fans feel different. I want to go back to something you mentioned there, the crew's defensive setup. You yeah. talked about how good they were at passing players off. The player I think they did maybe the best job of passing off in the first half was Nico Lodero. Yeah. We found out after that Lodero was playing with a straightened calf. That was per Brian Schmetzer in his post-game press conference. But still, the work that Artur and Aiden Morris especially, Aiden Morris, by the way, 19-year-old MLS Cup starter, the youngest starter in the history of that game in every year that this game has ever happened. <laughs> Aiden Morris is the youngest kid to have ever started, and he was phenomenal. So Aiden funny. Morris. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you. I was just going to say, after the game, I saw him and I was doing like uh, Wayne's World, like, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. And he's like, stop it. I'm like, no. He, <laughs> he was 19 and he looked like he fit in and he had started every single game. He, that was his third start all season. His third start in his professional career. And he looked like he belonged. Like that spot was meant for him. Yeah, he was he was downright unreal. He he won balls in the midfield. He was aggressive, more aggressive than I thought he was going to be in this game. Stepping and reading passing lanes and 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 shadowing Nico Lodero along with Artur. And Aiden Morris almost is a microcosm of how the crew defended in this game. They defended they defended really well outside of the opening few minutes, maybe, and then a stretch in the second half as well. They defended to the point where they were almost in control of things when they didn't have the ball. I've said that a few times about different teams over the last few weeks and the last few episodes, but I say it because it's so hard to strike that balance. The The ability yeah. to play without the ball and be in a defensive block, in this game it was the Cruz 4-4-2 block, and to sit there and allow the other team to pass the ball a little bit, yes, but also apply pressure when you need to, win the ball when you need to, and then use that defensive shape to go and attack, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And Seattle couldn't break through that. They couldn't get Ladero on the ball. He wasn't able to move and get away from Artur and Morris in meaningful areas. And then Rui Diaz wasn't winning balls either. It was Jonathan Mensa and Josh Williams who were tight to Rui Diaz, cutting off aerial service, cutting out stuff on the ground. All the players, all 10 outfield players in the crew's defensive block, at least for large portions of this game, red passing lanes stepped aggressively and created those transition attacks. And man, that was really impressive to watch. It was really fun. And I, I can't remember, Joe, you mentioned a couple of things there that I can't remember if I talked to you about it on the Total Soccer Show or if it was another interview. But I know I said I feel like the center backs are going to be really key in this matchup because that was only really the only place in both of these teams where I felt like there was an, a, a really distinct difference between the two teams. Because if you look at these squads and how they were built, 
they have so many similarities with the players that they have. And I thought the center backs for the Columbus crew definitely won that battle between the other two center backs. They played better. They cut off passing lanes. They dropped when they needed to, to not give up space in behind. Uh, so I, I thought that that was super impressive. Just the, the play of Josh Williams and Jonathan Mensa um, to help tell their teammates where the players were all running so they could pass players on because that communication, you can't forget about how key that is. We talked about the crew's work in transition, and we've talked about their work defensively. The first goal, though, really doesn't come from either one of those things. It comes from classic Columbus crew possession. They're in possession in the 25th minute. Harrison Offal is on the ball on the right side of the field, and he plays an inch-perfect and he plays an inch-perfect cross into the box for Lucas Elrayan at the back post, who lets it drop and then hits it on the volley with his left foot and beats Stefan Fry in goal to give the crew a one-nothing lead. Jordan, I've got to do it. How hard was that finish out of 10, that left-footed volley from Lucas Zellerayan? Oh, my gosh. You know what's funny is just a few minutes before that, Stefan Fry made a absolutely ridiculous save off of Jossie's artist. I don't know how he made the save, which was significantly harder, I think, than this save. But what makes this shot so good, because of the way it's floating down and the players that it be he's going back towards the the way that the ball came from. So Lucas Celerion is trying to hit it back towards what is now the far post across the face of Stefan Fry. And that's where um, as he hits it and strikes it, he lets it fall to I mean, can you imagine the patience it takes in that big moment to let the ball fall to perfection where it's almost nearly at the ground? And then you strike it back across the face of goal. It had Stefan Fry coming. I think I think he thought maybe he was going to go near post because he was diving a little bit that way. So I think he was off balance when he did go to the far post. It was spectacular. And you know, it's a final. So I'm going to give it a, a nine, nine, five. Nice. That, I mean, that's high. I was, I was kind of thinking <laughs> that you were going to give it a 10 by default, but you've proven your credibility here. You've shown I that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go 10, even though biased, even though it's no. the, the big game and a big finish from Lucas Zellerayan. I want to talk more about this goal, though. Before Harrison Offal even plays that cross into the box, the crew are in possession. They start, they pick up the ball on their right side. Then they work it over to the left, and then they move it back over again to the right side for Offal. What happens when you do all of that horizontal ball movement? Well, you shift the defensive structure of the other team. And Seattle in there, 4-4-2, 4-4-1 block. They just couldn't keep up with Columbus's ball movement from side to side. And so when Awful gets the ball before he plays the cross, the defender on that side can't step to him. He doesn't have enough time. It's Jordan Morris who doesn't quite get out to close him down because he's been running back and forth side to side for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. And so at that point, it's Harrison Awful who has the time to get the ball into the box and help Lucas Zellerayan get this opening goal for the crew It just again reminds me, Jordan, how dangerous the crew can be when they attack even in a number of different attacking ways. And not only that, but that's your number 10 central midfielder who's floated to the back post during all of this switch of the point of attack. He's just watching how the defenders are moving and are moving against the grain to be at the place where there was space because of the movement of the crew. I think it was really smart from him too because I think a lot of the times we're talking about moving into passing lanes well he's actually moving against the grain to find that where the passing lane where the space was before we move into the rest of our MLS cup conversation we're going to take a quick break and hear from a friend of the show looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Thank you, Paul, for that tremendous ad spot. Jordan, just a few minutes after the crew scored their first goal in the first half, they get their second goal. And, and, it starts with a certain gentleman that I mentioned earlier. We talked about him a little bit. But it's Aiden Morris. He wins the ball in midfield, loses it, wins it right back, and then plays a ball down the right wing for Harrison Offal, who plays a cross into the box. Seattle deal with the ball, but Zellerion wins the second ball and then finds Derek Etienne Jr. on the left side of the box, who beats Stefan Fry with a super calm finish to put the crew up 2-0. There's so much to this goal. We could talk about Aiden Morris. We could talk about Jossie Zardes' positioning. Where do you want to start with this one? Ooh, I... I want to hear what you say about Jossie Zardes' positioning because I find that really interesting. But I, I want to talk about Aiden Morris because one of the things I had mentioned earlier that this is only his third start, but he keeps the ball really well. And yes, he does give the ball back up here. But what I like about what he did in this is he didn't follow a mistake with another mistake. He, fo- he made a mistake, lost the ball, but then he immediately went, regained possession. And I think that that is something that um, when you're talking about consistency in a player and playing the moment, he he was so zoned in knowing that every little thing he did mattered. And by winning the ball back and then keeping possession again, it allowed his team to, I think, almost get Seattle pulled out a little bit. And then when he regained possession, they could go and and it's not quite the transition that we talked about earlier, but it is. It's still a transition moment, right? Because Seattle had thought that they had regained possession. So I was just super impressed with him and his work centrally and other things later on in the goal. But I want to hear what you had to say about Jossie. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna put that on hold for a second and talk Aiden Morris too. I just got to get the rest of my thoughts on him off my chest. He's a guy that United States youth national team fans and men's national team fans are going to want to keep their eyes on. I mean... He was so sharp early on, assertive tackles, sharp passing, crisp moves when he had the ball. The first goal, I didn't talk about it, but part of the horizontal ball movement was Aiden Morris turning out of pressure on the right side and releasing that pressure by switching it over to the left side, or at least starting that switch. He was smooth turning out of pressure. He was aggressive with his steps in midfield. This guy is, if he can continue to perform at the level he did on Saturday, this guy is the real deal for the Columbus crew, even as kind of their third option at one of those double pivot spots in the midfield. 
Now, Jordan, I'll get back to Jesse's art as I just had to okay. had to get that in yeah, there. Yeah, I love that. On this goal, when the crew work the ball into the box, it's Lucas Zellerian who has the ball, and he's about to play it to Derek Etienne Jr. on the left side. So that's about to happen, and that's even possible. That's made possible because Jossie Zardes has Alex Roldan, Seattle Sounders right back in this game. He has Alex Roldan pinned inside. Zardes' positioning isn't in the middle of the box. No, it's a little bit to the side, and that's forcing Roldan to pay attention to him which then creates space for Etienne Jr. on the left side of the box. It, it wouldn't happen. I honestly believe that this goal would not have happened if Jossie Zardes hadn't been directly pinning that fullback inside, giving Etienne Jr. that little pocket of space. It wasn't an accident either because the same pattern happened later on. I think it was in the second half. Jossie Zardes pinned a fullback inside and created space for one of the wingers for the Columbus crew. It's so detailed, it's so smart, and it's so small but those little movements, those little bits of positioning make goals. You're absolutely right. That's a really good nitpicky thing that you point out. But I was watching, I was watching actually Lucas Celerion as he picked the ball up because up until this point, he scored a goal. But every time he got on the ball, Joe, he might be the craftiest player when he has the ball at his feet. And he's not like a Luis Diaz, right? He's not a dribbler who's going to dribble you and try to get beyond you. But he can cut you and chop you and get you off balance. And we saw that in the last game w- with the assist in um, the the secondary assist, that MLS assist in against the New, New England Revolution. And every time he got the ball in this game, whether it was against Xiao Paulo or Yamar or whoever it was, was, he chopped them up. And so as he received the ball at the top of the box, did you watch every single player just like, oh gosh, Who's going to step to him? Who's going to be the player to go to him? <laughs> it was as if nothing else mattered, but we have to get to Celerion because he's so good and we know he can be lethal at this moment. And he noticed that too. He drew them in and he was a little bit, he, he was patient in his touches at the top of the box and almost faked as if his pass was like a fake, like I'm going to shoot. And then he laid it off to Derek Etienne. And I think that is a little moment that just talks about the, unity of this team that Lucas could have scored that goal easy he could have scored a goal there I mean you've you watched him play you saw the goal he scored in the second half but instead he decides to pass it to his teammate who was more open who had a better angle or or a better chance of getting a, a, a shot on goal and it was brilliant by him it was brilliant from Lucas Celerion and a brilliant goal from Derek Etienne Jr. as well coming in for Pedro Santos the crew enter halftime with a two nothing lead Seattle come out in the second half, Brian Schmetzer makes a pair of changes, and Seattle all of a sudden look more aggressive in attack and in defense, and they start to make some things happen. Ladero gets more involved, Jao Paolo, Christian Roldan, and Gustav Svensson start to make some things happen in midfield, and Roldan even from the, the right side that he shifts to at the start of the second half. Schmetzer then makes even more changes in the 60th minute. Paolo comes off, which means Ladero dropped deeper into the midfield so he could get even more touches I thought, Jordan, and I I don't know if you felt this way, but I thought Seattle was going to start to cause Columbus some problems. And to Mm -hmm. be honest, they did at times. Yeah. They were maybe a little bit unfortunate not to get a goal. I think a shot from Nico Ladero hits the outside of the post and bounces out. They did some things in the second half to remind everyone that this Seattle Sounders team is still a very good team. And they were really threatening in moments. I thought what Seattle did that I thought was an ode to what they've done all season is because they changed their outside backs. They, they're they one of the team, the best teams in MLS about getting their outside backs into 
the attacking third, almost even beyond the 18 into crossing positions. And we didn't see that in the first half, really, almost at all. And because of the way that they like to play, their wingers tuck inside. And with Alex Roldan tucking inside, almost as like a second 10 next to Nico Ladero, it allowed Leardom to get forward. And then on the other side, it was uh, Smith who could get forward. And I felt like they did a, a much better job of getting those players forward, but Joe, it was all about the fight in the midfield. It, it was all about winning the second, first and second balls and having some more grit because they did not have that grit in the first half. And I thought that the first 15 minutes of the second half were Seattle's version of the first 15 minutes of the first half for Columbus, right? It just flipped. And it wasn't surprised to me that that point of the game was going to be so aggressive because these are the two best teams that scoring goals in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Both had 13 goals each for themselves in that first 15 minutes. So these teams come make adjustments at halftime and come out on fire. And I think you saw that Columbus knew that was going to happen with Seattle, right? They're 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 pushing the game. So they I think knew that that was going to be something that they had to be aware of and you had mentioned it earlier in the game, in the, this podcast is that they were almost, I'm not saying willing, cause of course they didn't want to defend as much as they did, but they were confident that they could still continue to defend as a unit and make it, at least make it difficult on Seattle to, to get really quality chances. I think that one chance that you're, you're speaking of, of Nico Ladero was probably the best chance that Seattle created, but it did. It, the pendulum swung all the way in the opposite direction and Seattle was in control for the majority of those first 15 minutes of the second half. The point you're making there about the crew not necessarily wanting to be back on their heels mm-hmm. so much. I think they had 35% possession in this game. They might not have wanted to play without the ball that much, But I don't think you can argue with the fact that it worked for them. They were willing to attack in transition. That was the game plan from the start. In Seattle, when they're tasked with breaking down a lower 4-4-2 block, that's not necessarily their game. I think they can break teams down at times, and they've shown it this season. But they would rather be, be running and gunning in transition compared to having to break down a lower block. And as Seattle started to throw more and more numbers forward as the second half continued and as they were getting more and more desperate for a goal... That almost just played into Columbus's hands. You have to. You have to throw numbers forward if you're Seattle. Mm -hmm. But then it's the 81st minute, and it all comes unraveling for Seattle. The crew win the ball in their own half thanks to a Jonathan Mensah header. Mensah's header finds Jossi Zardes, who turns and plays Luis Diaz on the near side down that right wing. Diaz does his thing on the wing, beating Brad Smith in pretty epic fashion. It might have been my favorite moment in this game, that that 1v1 battle in this minute exactly. Luis Diaz beats Brad Smith, gets into the box, stays calm, stays composed, and sets Lucas Zellerayan up for the finish. And what a finish it was, too. The crew go up three to nothing. It's a brace and an assist in this match for Lucas Zellerayan. And the crew continue to prove that they can score goals in a bunch of different ways. And we've seen that all through the playoffs. And this is why I think this is one of the strongest performances from the crew and they kept getting better as the season was going you talk about how you want teams to peak at the right time they scored goals you mentioned through their possession they scored a transition moment goal something that we saw earlier in the playoffs as well I know we talk about those goals against gosh what team I think it was New York Red Bulls gosh that feels like forever ago um but they did a really good job of understanding what was the right decision at the right moment. And they were going to have to do that because 
to be aware of what Seattle can do. Because Seattle still created chances. As the game got stretched, it was Jordan Morris in the second half who was trying to get in behind. And you knew that that was still an option, that they could still get behind you. But I think that this play in general, with Luis Diaz and all the work that he provided throughout the entire game, it was well set up that he would get an assist in this game for doing what he did throughout the 90 minutes. I, I just thought that that was a spectacular pass by him and an even better finish by Celerion. He, I think a lot of people when he got comeback or when he got newcomer of the year, a lot of people maybe were like, really? I, I don't know. And I don't think anybody's thinking that anymore after they saw that performance. No, I don't think so either. He was, he was exactly what the crew paid for him to be mm-hmm. in this game. He was yeah. exactly the $8 million or whatever it was that the Columbus crew paid Tigres to get Lucas Zellerayan on this team. He was worth, I don't, I'm not an economist here. I'm not an accountant. I, I, it <laughs> seems to it. me that he was worth it in this game, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. He played well enough to say, okay, this is a number 10 on an MLS Cup winning team. And that is exactly what he is after Saturday night. The Columbus crew are MLS Cup champions. Jordan, I've got one more thing, not related to the game before okay. we close out this episode, but I want to turn it over to you in case you have anything else that you wanted to add from Saturday night's MLS Cup. It just was perfect. Like it was a storybook. This was written for some kind of big documentary series to be done for the Columbus crew because what this team has gone through and club has gone through over the last three years they have done all the little things right. And not just the little things right on the day. The little things right on the day are an accumulation of doing all the little things right every single day leading up to that. And I felt like it really was a testament to how this city saved this team, how the fans saved the team. And uh, it was out of all the places, Joe, that the if that MLS could have been, this would have been the only place that fans could have come to in attendance. And I don't know about you, but for me being in the the stadium, hearing the fans cheer, it it did feel like a little bit it intimidated the Sounders, especially in the first 10 minutes. They couldn't keep the ball in in bounds when they did get possession, Um, kicking it out of bounds, feeling a little rattled, I think, but by the pressure on the field and uh, the the crowd in the stands, it just felt right. So many things about it. It was storybook and... You know, I've got a close-up of this team throughout the entire season, uh, as close as you can get through Zoom calls and watching them play in the stadium. Uh, They are every bit deserving of this MLS Cup, and I couldn't be more proud of what they've done over this season. It was an impressive performance and a a fun game as a neutral, probably not for Seattle fans, but a fun game (laughs) for those of us without any particular rooting interest in this game. Jordan, we have finished our very first season of coverage on MLS Assist. We have gone... From week one all the way to this MLS Cup performance on Saturday night with a large break and then MLS is back and then games coming so fast that I couldn't even keep up with them. We have covered a lot of soccer this year. And, and to be honest, that's really all I wanted to say. It's just that I'm, I'm pretty proud of you and I. And even more than that, I'm thankful for all of the listeners yeah. out there who have listened to us, who have rated and reviewed us, who have shared for us. Sure. Thank you, guys. Seriously, thank you, because we definitely couldn't have made it through this very first season of MLS Assist without all of you. I would agree. Thank you to everybody who's listened. But I wanted to say, Joe, thanks for having this wild idea that we could figure out a way to talk tactics in an audio form 
about Major League Soccer, because if you didn't have a little wild hair, we wouldn't have been here. And uh, you've put so much hard work in over the year. But I liked it. That 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 was our first to have this be our first year in podcasting for MLS Assist. You know, I feel like we can handle anything now, bud. Okay. Don't you? I definitely do. I think we could probably hand man, man, maybe we shouldn't be saying this. I don't know what 2021 could hold. But no, I do feel confident. It's been a crazy year and I feel confident that we could tackle yeah. just about any MLS related problem that's thrown our way. Jordan, thank you for coming along with me on this wild ride this year. Thank you for talking soccer with me today. I truly appreciate it. Thanks so much, Joe. It's been so much fun. And um, I got to go celebrate some more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. And we will be back again soon. <laughs>